Blog Talk Radio. Well, good afternoon, everyone. I am so sorry. We have had serious, serious technical difficulties on the biggest show that we are so excited about. So we truly apologize to you for that. And without further ado, I'm going to bring on Mr. Jay Logan. Jay, good afternoon. We seem to have had technical difficulties with uh, Block Talk Radio on one of our biggest shows that I'm so excited about. Wow, I'm so excited, too. I think this is going to be one of these blockbuster shows, and it's going to be a great show. But uh, we're not going to let any of that stuff keep us from having a great show, Gail. No, not at all. I mean, this has been really unusual. <laughs> I, should, I, I, I mean, it's like, wow, okay. So um, one of the things that we want to share with our audience today, I am so excited. Today there's a film called Girl Rising that's premiering today all over the country. And we are so excited to have Holly Gordon, who's the executive producer behind it, on here. It's really depicting young girls with education around the world. You know, we take for granted here, uh, Jay, in the United States on what it's like to, you know, have education and don't realize, I don't think the students really realize how blessed they are. They don't have to walk long ways to get to school. They don't have to deal with, Certain things are being sold, you know, uh, you know, in general. So, you know, it's really, mm-hmm. really um, very concerning to see what's going on around the world. And sometimes when you're here locally at home, you don't know. But I don't want to take up any more time because since the show was, you know, a little bit behind, we have Holly on the call right now, and I just want to bring her on because I'm just so excited. Uh, one other thing before we bring on, we have Evan Carpenter who did Gracie Learns to Dance, an Indian girl with leprosy. There's leprosy colonies all in India, and we're not even aware of those things. And then we have the famous duo of Lisa Simmons and Flintstone, who does a lot of work for Walt Disney, uh, Kelly Rowland of Destiny's Child, Beyonce, you name it. So we're, without further ado, Jay, I just want to bring on Holly Gordon because I am so excited to get started. I think this is great. <laughs> yes, go. I'm so excited. Holly, are you there? I am here. Hi. Great to be How here. Thank you? you for having me, Gail. Well, and we Jay. Are so, oh, thank you. And this is Jay. And, you know, Holly, we, are, we can't get wait to just get into the questioning with you. We had a little bit of a, a breakdown with our technical uh, difficulties here for the Log Talk Radio. But are you okay with us going right into everything? Yeah, right? let's go for it. No, that sounds fantastic. <laughs> and having worked in television, you know, technology never works the way you want it to work. So Especially just got to move on. Thing. Exactly. <laughs> so, Holly, you know, we're so excited to have you on the show today. You know, and, you know, Holly, this must be an extraordinary day for you for the 1010 campaign and Girl Rising premiere. Well, it really is, Gail. It's really the culmination of um, – Six years of work, actually, um, maybe even a few more, um, but we don't actually want to t- say how long we've really been working on it. <laughs> it's an age. Um, but it is a culmination of a lot of hard work, of deep partnerships, and a strategy of um, of building 
real deep engagement over the course of these many years in making this film. Um, and uh, it it premieres in theaters, as you said. It's actually the the world premieres tonight in New York. It premieres in theaters tomorrow. Um, and the beauty of the way we're distributing this film is that anyone anywhere uh, can request a screening of Girl Rising. Um, and if you can get enough of your friends and colleagues and, and cohorts in your town to say, you know what, I want to bring this, this movie to my local movie theater, uh, we'll get it to you. Wow. And we have well, over I... 435 screenings um, uh, confirmed. Well, I have to say, I feel great because I'll be there tonight, um, you know, at Battery Park. So I'm really excited. Um, Terrific. I, I thank you. I, we have a question for you. You know, Girl Rising really, you know, we had so many questions for you, Holly, in this short period of time. So I want to start out with asking you, would you just tell our audience, you know, don't give them too much because we have some other questions, but would you tell them, our audience a little bit about Girl Rising, if you wouldn't mind? Sure. Girl Rising the Film is the centerpiece of the 10 Times 10 campaign, uh, and it tells the stories of nine extraordinary girls uh, achieving um, against unbelievable odds. And you, you, you talked a little bit about how in this country we actually have free education for everybody to, to the age of 12th grade. Um, but many parts in the developing world, the obstacles that girls face to getting to school, whether it's because it is too, it's very far away, um, but but also because they are uh, often victims of sexual violence. Um, uh, there's just not enough money so they're in the family, so there are choices made between sending boys to school and girls to school. They're married off. They're sold into trafficking. You know, girls are the most vulnerable people on this planet. And what our film does is take the stories of nine girls um, and tries to bring uh, their uh, humanity to the screen, um, and the way we do it is that we paired each girl with a writer from her own country. Um, the writer got to know the girl and then created what, what became the basis for a screenplay. And so each of the girls, they sometimes, in some of the stories, they play themselves. Um, these, these, these stories uh, that have been written for the screen are then shot, um, and then they've been narrated by some of the most talented performers today, Meryl Streep, Anne Hathaway, Alicia Keys, Carrie Washington, um, Kate Blanchett, to name some of some of the actresses who've lent their voices to these girls' stories to bring them to the public eye. Well, I know Jay has a question for you. Yes, I do, Holly. First of all, it's just such an honor to have you on the show and so much energy. And I, I want to say thanks for being here. Um, my question is, um, how long have you been involved with 10 Times 10? Well, 10 Times 10... Um, I mean, it's hard to say when it was started, but I'm going to say I'm going to call it the the day we got our first uh, bit of funding, um, and our funding came originally from from philanthropists who saw an opportunity, who saw the same opportunity we did in terms of creating a campaign that would spread this powerful message about educating girls. And our first philanthropic investment came around 2010, um, and that's when we really launched uh, the project as a campaign with the film uh, and the creation of the film as its central piece. Wow. Well, you, you know, Holly, you know, you've been involved for quite a long time for being a contribution to young people. We did a little checking on how great you've been and the contribution you've been. And I heard a little something from a birdie about the Girls Education Project and you. Would you tell us about that and how Girl Rising to us seems similar, or are we a little off there in assuming that? 
No, actually, you're just you're not you're not off at all. In fact, the Girls Education Project was the beginning working title for the what became the Ten Times Ten campaign. So what happened was we um, we started to research how you end global poverty, and we stumbled upon this simple and elegant truth that when you educate girls, transformative change happens. And that actually, that discovery, this discovery that, that girls' education was a silver bullet for breaking cycles of poverty is what led us to create, at that point, the Girls' Education Project. We thought, okay, we're going to try to tell this story and get it out there so more people can understand it. Um, and it was, it was when we came up with the concept for the film, um, which originally was 10 stories from 10 countries uh, with 10 girls and 10 writers and 10 actresses that we, that we basically came up with the name 10 times 10. And we just thought we knew that the Girls Education Project was a pretty uninspiring name. Ten times ten was a sort of working title, and then Girl Rising has turned out to be the title of the actual film. Wow! Wow! Okay. So it's been an evolution. Holly, um, what do you think? This is Jay. What do you think? Um, what do you think our country's education in the United States is today? Well, I'm really not an expert on on domestic education, and you know, um, there are a lot of other people who can speak to it much better than I can. Um, obviously, we have our challenges with our own education system here, um, and those are that's a very important story um, that needs to be told again and again. Waiting for Superman took a crack at it, and you know, <laughs> we need more reporting um, on our our own education system. Um, this project is really focused on uh, different kinds of challenges. Um, no better, no worse. There's no judgment here, um, but it's a it's a different kind of challenge, and it's around global education, and it's specifically around girls. And I would say that the way that it impacts our lives here is that when uh, when you think about prosperity and you think about global security, what mm-hmm. all of the research shows is that countries where men and women are both participating in society are more peaceful. So educating girls from a, if you're literally thinking about security and strategic uh, foreign policy from the United States point of view, educating girls in the developing world is a really, really good strategy for keeping the peace. Wow. Um, You know, uh, Holly, based on the film and your journey, you know, this is a similar question to Jay, but a little bit different. You know, based on your journey and where, and where, you know, where do you think education for young girls around the world versus the United States, for Jay's earlier question? I know you, you don't feel like you're an expert, but given that you've had this journey of just going around the world, you know, and, and dealing with and experiencing some of these young, amazing women, okay? And I'm sure yeah. you see reports and you see things about young women here. Like, right. where do you, you know, how do you Where do I see the connection it, point? Yes, and where do you think it differs a little bit? Well, I think the connection point is um, is really about human potential, whether or not you're a girl or a boy. Um, but for, for girls anywhere, uh, when when a girl hits puberty, uh, she becomes more vulnerable, no matter where you live, um, by virtue of her gender, right? And that 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 navigating adolescence as a girl and keeping a strong sense of self and reaching for the stars and achieving beyond the expectations of those around you if they are belittling your expectation or, you know, belittling your potential, 
that is the true message here. The true message here is that girls can be presidents. Girls can be uh, doctors, lawyers, teachers, leaders, um, and that we need to give them opportunities to achieve their fullest potential. And girls themselves need to understand that they have contributions to make and they should work like crazy to to, to fulfill their potential as human beings. Wow. Hmm. Um, wow. Holly, um, I've, I've been noticing a lot of the media, and you spoke of uh, global development, and so the question I have is, how does global development affect education in today's society? Well, so um, what we found in our original research on ending global poverty is that uh, when a girl is educated, uh, she marries later. She has fewer children. She's more likely to immunize her children when she does have them, which improves health outcomes. Uh, she's less likely um to have a child before her body is ready. She's more likely to educate both her sons and her daughters equally. Her income for every year of secondary education, her income, projected income goes up goes up by 10 to 20%. So these are statistics. These are the ripple effects this education has um, on a girl and her family and her community. So the way that education impacts global prosperity and, and global development is that an educated girl Sets, educating a girl sets un, unleashes this ripple effect so that your one investment in that girl returns across uh, GDP growth, uh, health outcomes, and as I said before about security, across civil society. So it's a really, really powerful investment because educated girls become educated mothers who are the center of their families. Um, and who invest their income into their families as opposed to uh, spending income other places. Interesting. Hmm. Wow. That's, that's, wow. You know, I tell you, Holly, this is, you know, we thought this is just so amazing. And, and I just want to thank you again, you know, for being here because this is going to give a lot of parents and teachers and everyone to get involved, see not only what you have created in Girls Girl Rising, but also help them to make a difference and just spread the word and be a part of it, not just spreading the word, but actively involved. And so the next yeah. question I have, uh, I'm sorry, Go I ahead. just have one question for you. Holly, how can parents and teachers get more involved in upgrading the education around the world and not just in one locale? Yeah, so I was going to say, how can how can folks get involved um, in education generally and in this message, and you know, I believe that this message has a real value in the United States um, in many, many different communities. Sometimes it's great to look to to to, to uh, get to know through this film girls who face circumstances that that you know, if you're living um, in a in a in a difficult place in the United States, sometimes it can um, be empowering. Uh, to see that there's an opportunity for you to help somebody who lives in even more difficult circumstances. You know, as you both know so well, giving is empowering. So here's mm -hmm. what I would say about parents, teachers, and girls and boys getting involved um, around this particular project. Um, visit our website, which is girlrising.com. Uh, there you can find out how you can see the film at a screening that's already been being arranged or 
think about organizing a screening. Organizing a screening in your own community, showing that leadership, demonstrating leadership by bringing Girl Rising um, to your community, and then turn that screening into a learning event. And that learning event could be about education in this country, using Girl Rising as a tool to bring everybody together and start that conversation. Or it can be a, a fundraising event uh, for a, a, for the 10 times 10 fund for girls' education, um, which will go to nonprofits that, that are working around the world with girls, or for an organization that you might choose um, that's working with girls in your own community or abroad. So the thing that I really am so excited about with this project is that there is a way to act. Um, the first step is to bring your community together to see the film, and then the second step is to decide how you're going to use that film to impact, to pay it forward as you will. Use the opportunity of screening the film uh, to create impact in your community or, or a community far from you. Wow. Now, Holly, now, now, Holly um, this is kind of getting a little deeper in that, into that first question, but a little different. It's kind of personal for me and maybe for as Gail as well. Now, I have a I have a 12-year-old daughter, and Gail has mm-hmm. like three nieces. One is 12, one is 13, and a 15-year-old of age. Mm-hmm. I would like to know, how can they support Girl Rising? Um, well, they can – Again, they can they can bring Girl Rising to their potentially to their school. So we have a campus program um, where, uh, and again, on our Girl Rising site, um, you can get information about how to bring Girl Rising to your school to your school. Um, and then we have created the Ten Times Ten Fund for Girls Education that allow girls that allows um, individuals to create fundraising opportunities um, and and really impact the lives of girls around the world. Wow, I like that. Wow. Love it. And there's a book club toolkit, and, you know, there are lots of sort of um, engagement ideas. This fall, actually, we'll be releasing a curriculum um, that goes along with the film. So that's another way uh, that students can bring the film into their classrooms. Wonderful. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Wonderful. I have a really interesting question for you, okay? Yeah. And and I want to know, is there a voice project in the works? And how can <laughs> Well, that is actually a great question because a lot of people ask us why not boys, right? Have, and in I this country, yeah. I'm sorry, Holly, I had one more question inside of that. How can Jay's yeah. daughter and my nieces and young girls like them uh, support young boys their age in understanding the 10, 10 campaign and Girls Rising? Fabulous question, Gail. <laughs> Invite them. Invite them to the screening and say, guys, it's up to both of us. We, this next generation of boys and girls, they are truly the ones who have the opportunity to change the world. It's kind of too late for us. You know, we're trying to leave this legacy, but it's the next generation. And I look at that next generation and I see the equality. I see equality between girls and boys. I see them looking at me like, what are you talking about? Why would we need to empower girls, my, my own children? Um, who are or eight and ten, you know, they don't see it in their in their lives. And and in a post, what we found actually when we were doing this project that in, in post-industrial societies, it's often boys who are lagging lagging behind. So you know, this is not a girls' project. This is an everyone's project. This is an everyone's concern. And you'll see in the film, men play a really really vital role in the lives of girls, fathers, mentors, etc. So this is not. Um, this is not, uh, you know, that Gail, I'm so glad you mentioned that because I actually think I'm going to make sure that it's in the materials, that at, at schools that we want to be sure that boys are being invited to every screening and joining hands with the girls to make the world a better place. 
I have to tell you, I have to thank both myself and Jay for that question. <laughs> thank you both, then. <laughs> oh, yeah, this is important. That's somebody's mother. That's somebody's sister. That's somebody's daughter. Um, these young women that are coming up, it's so important that what you're doing is so wonderful. And I would like to know what's important to you about education, education for youth today. Education for youth? Mm-hmm. Um, my, I grew up, my parents moved here when I was three. Uh, they knew nothing about the United States education system. Um, my mother, from, the, from as long as I can remember, uh, would tell me that no matter what happened, an education would be my ticket to success, that the edu- an education was the one thing that no one could ever take away from me and that she would work her her fingers to the bone to make sure that I had the the best education that she could afford. And to me, education is everything. Education allows you to be a critical thinker. It allows you to make better decisions. It allows you to make good decisions. It allows you uh, to create, invent, um, to be to be um, uh, to be you know a, a, a fully realized human being. You can't get anywhere without an education. Education is everything. Wow. Well, you know, and, and, you know and, and the trouble is, guys, is that an education is a long-term investment, and this is why it sometimes struggles, right? Because education pays off over years, not days, weeks, or months. So it's a long-term investment. Wow. Wow. Well, you know, one of the things that I have a question, you know, for you is I know you answered earlier, you know, how you got involved with 101010. 10. Yeah. But what I want to know is, not only how did you get involved, but what do you what do you want to see Girl Rising provide for others? I know you've spoken about it throughout the questions we have, but what do you personally want to see Holly provide for yeah. others? What is your dream and vision all over this planet? My dream, my dream with Ten Times Ten is uh, to change lives and to change policy. We've started, you know, this interview alone, you know, we're starting to change minds. We're in the headlines. You've seen there's a lot of buzz around this film. I'm enormously grateful for that. Um, But it's time now to push to the next phase. And the next phase is raising money for girls' programs so that the girls' needs that are not being met are are being met. And for for that, we have the 10 times 10 fund for girls' education. but beyond that, that's almost a stopgap measure because what really needs to happen is that the, the needs of girls must be written into the policies that govern their lives. So I would like to see girls, adolescent girls' needs reflected in the next generation of the Millennium Development Goals. And I don't know if you know anything about the Millennium Development Goals or your audience does. I'm sure you guys do. But the Millennium Development Goals are the goals to which every country in the world is supposed to, to, to strive towards. Um, and every they're set every 15 years or something, and we're about to set the next next set of them in 2015. There will be a new set of Millennium Development Goals being written, and this is our opportunity to make sure that when when policy around agriculture, uh, around defense, around education, around health, that when these policies are being made by governments as a whole, that the needs of girls are reflected in those policies. And to bring that a little bit more down to earth, 
You know, I woke up the other day to a story on NPR about women in Egypt being afraid to walk down the streets because the amount of sexual harassment there is so unsettling that women don't even feel safe going to the marketplace. Or in India, where the rape of that couple on the bus led to that woman's death and protests for weeks and weeks and weeks with a lot of self-reflection about um, about how uh, how Indians treat their women, you know, oh, as gosh. a culture. You know, those the, know the right. You know, those are. It is not okay for women to be the victims of sexual violence. It is not okay for women to feel threatened for their lives when they're just trying to go to the marketplace to feed their their children. But to change those kinds of um, cultural settings, you need government and you need the power of the people. So my vision, my goal is that we have all of our men friends and our women standing up and saying, no more, no more. This is my daughter, this is my sister, this is my mother. No more. You know, Holly, this question was not in there, and I know we're going to have to move on first. And, Jay, I think we should uh, put another question in, since Holly's really answered most of ours. We have two more left for you, Holly, and this is one from that we were going to talk about on the radio today. You know, um, Forrest Whitaker, the actor, started is, is clear that he started a nonprofit that technology – uh, through, yep. will help through conflict resolution for young people, especially child soldiers, and yep. allow for people in war-torn areas to connect with each other so that they can get an education and they understand what an education is rather than a gun shooting someone. Right, okay? right, right. Yeah. My, my question to you, to you is I feel that Girl Rising connected with, uh, you know, maybe I'm giving you a plug-in here, could really mm-hmm. connect wonderfully with Forrest Whitaker's um, nonprofit organization as well because it will teach young people that you don't have to, you know, sell women. You can treat them as young women and that young men can also be, you know, pillars of society in those war-torn countries and places where education is not available. Right, that the the, the pen is mightier than the sword. Yes. Yeah. Right. No, I think that you're right. And I think that, you know, Forrest is on to something. And I was actually just talking about Forrest Whitaker with another, um, a, a somebody else who's in touch with him and, and the work that he does. Um, it takes all of us, by the way, um, working together and working in our in our fields of, of focus. Um, uh, g- girls' education and conflict resolution are very closely intertwined. Um, how girls are valued um, in in um, you know in regions of conflict um, is it you know after conflict uh, girls suffer the most inevitably uh, so there are a lot of, of parallels there. The other thing that I just want to touch on is that technology is technology is a huge part of speeding global change. Um, it's because of technology that, that 10 Times 10 and Girl Rising has 250,000 followers on Facebook around the world who, are, who we can communicate with every day about uh, these issues around girls. And, you know, that ability to communicate, to share information, um, and to create movements, right, to build movements in your community that are actually connected to movements in places far away is really, really powerful. Um, and the ability for technology to allow education infrastructure to come into underdeveloped places is transformative, transformative. Um, and Intel is doing a lot of that, actually, in their um, Intel Teach and Intel Learn programs, which uh, arm teachers um, in, in, in around the world with uh, with the technology tools to 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 uh, scale education and learning. 
I have to just say to you, you know, um, Jay, I think you should take the last question. It's only fair because I snuck one in there. Um, my question really, Gail, is a little bit. I was wondering about the Girl Rising film. Would this become a curriculum in most uh, private or public schools where all kids can, you know, kids yeah. that might can't go, yeah, kids that can't go to the movies that might can't afford it, but they'll yep. they'll be in their um, okay. Uh, the, um, the Pearson Foundation is creating a curriculum, uh, a school-age curriculum that will be ready this fall. Um, they have connections into 15,000 school districts across the country, and they'll be providing the curriculum to those school districts um, and encouraging those school districts to take advantage of it. Um, so I do encourage listeners uh, to contact whoever it is at their school that, that works with um, a company like Pearson in terms of curriculum tools um, and request that Girl Rising come to their school. Uh, because certainly um, the beauty of this film is that it's in chapters um, so that you you don't have to watch the whole thing at one time. Uh, each of the stories really touches on issues that girls face in a in a in a delicate way um, that inspires conversation and because each each story was written by a writer uh, from the global a list I mean these are really talented female writers authors they are lyrical and poetic and um, could be the basis of any English class. Uh, easily. Holly, the second part of my question is, where do you see education going for the future? Well, you know, Gordon Brown has been named uh, the Secretary um, uh, Secretary for the United Nations on Education, and he is really um, the global envoy for education for the United Nations. Sorry, I wanted to get his title right. Um, he is really dedicating the next two or three years of his life to um, to really driving an education agenda around the world and to making this this argument that 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 we're nowhere without an educated population, an ed- educated workforce, so that we can start to move more resources into education. Um, you know, it's amazing what folks who have very little will do for an education because of the the hope. Uh, that an education provides, um, and we need to be funding education, uh, you know, it, it, with a view to long-term prosperity. Wow, and 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 this is my last one, and then we're and we just thank you so much, Atticus, because we have our other guests waiting. Is technology <laughs> the answer, or is technology being integrated into the the way the old traditional educated work with the pen and paper, the best way for children to learn? Now, in this question, we want to join you a little bit, Holly, because my opinion is I have a niece who's in a research and development school. She's an A student, and she believes she loves books, and she works in the library, and she believes that the technology should be integrated into it. She's also Odyssey of Mind in that program as well. And so my question to you is I want to know, do you think technology should be the, the, the main focal point, or do you think it should be integrated into how education works with, you know, paper and so forth? Yeah, so, you know, technology is just a tool. So it's what you do with that tool that matters. Um, there's no replacing pen and paper um, because you got to, you don't know, you know, maybe there will be at some point, but, but, but to have an iPad, I mean, listen, think, imagine living in a rural village in Ethiopia. What good is an iPad to you, right? It's going to get filled with dust and sand, and it's not going to work, and there's nowhere to plug it in. So we're a long way away from, um, from replacing our traditional tools, whether it be here in, the, in classrooms or, or globally. Um, but techno- what technology is allows is for a transfer of information at scale. So you no longer have to go 
to Harvard to hear a Harvard lecture. You can sign on to Coursera, and you can take courses from Harvard, Yale, Stanford, UVA, um, right in your own living room from the professors that people are paying $45,000 a year to be in front of. So that's where I see the opportunity for technology to be used, um, is in in scaling the access to really high-quality information and in making links across borders and time zones uh, more efficient and possible so that your niece can use technology in her school library to speak to a girl or a boy in Afghanistan who's in, who's having whose country is being rebuilt around him or her and who and they can share their ideas and their friendship and then wow. they won't go to war with each other you know it's really hard to go to war with someone that you've met even if you've only met them on Skype Wow. I, Holly, I cannot tell you. We went over a little bit, and I hope that was okay with you. I don't I have to find out from our next guest coming up if it was okay with them. But I have well, to tell I you. appreciate it to the next guest, and thank you so much for having me. Oh, and thank you for being a part of this. We're so excited because today is actually your premiere, you know. This is That's amazing. right. So I actually have to sign off because i got to go get my dress on and get to the city. <laughs> yes, we want you to look great. And, and Holly, will you? is the premiere only happening? Is it at the um, – only in Battery Park, or there's just several locations? So I'll well, I'm not now. sure that I, – I, I, you should definitely check your ticket because the Battery Park screening is probably tomorrow night, not tonight. The premiere that's tonight is at the Paris Theater in New York. Um, okay. And and then tomorrow, all over the country, including at Battery Park City and Union Square, and um, and 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 literally all over the country, uh, there are screenings that are that are happening that are the that are that are the public premieres. I think you're absolutely right because I just looked. It's on the seventh, so thank you. Yeah, it's the seventh, <laughs> and it's that's it has a magical meaning because that date is the eve of International Women's Day. So. Okay. Well, my dear, we're going to let you go, and you have an amazing evening, and thank you. Thanks, Jay. Thanks, Gail. Thank I, was, I really thank enjoyed you. it. You take care. All right. Bye-bye. Okay. Bye. Wow, Jay. Was that not amazing? Now, that was yeah, great. Yeah, that was great. Now, I, I'm just <laughs> so excited because our next group is Lisa and Flintstone, okay? And they are the team that makes up Heat Rock International, I mean, entertainment. So I'm really excited. This is ah, amazing. What an amazing show. They have worked with everyone from Walt Disney, you know, Mary Mary, uh, Fantasia, uh, you know, Kelly Rowland of Destiny's Child. I mean, we could just go on. And, you know, they, what's remarkable about, them, remarkable about them is that this is a woman and a male and female team. So we're going to get perspectives right in here about what we were just looking at, okay? So, okay. Um, it's 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 just amazing. I'm I'm excited, and um, I don't I, I don't know how much more to say than just to thank you, Holly, before um, just being the kind of person. This is what it takes. Uh, right. She was she was she was she was very extraordinary, and I I can't wait till my daughter comes home so I can tell her about this girl rising thing, Gail. It, it was just really amazing talking to her. And, you know, I learned a lot, you know, because, you know, the world is full of a lot of situations that aren't cool for little girls that's growing up, and we need to yeah. make it a better place. We need to make them a better place for them to learn. So yeah. it, it, it was amazing to have her on the show. You know, that was just wonderful. I, I can't wait. So without further ado, okay, we are going to bring on Lisa and Flintstone. Hi, Lisa and Flintstone. How are you? Hi. <laughs> 
Good afternoon. We, well, good <laughs> afternoon from sunny L.A., because I know it's better than it is here in New York City. Oh. Well, you know what? We're, we're actually in Arizona, but our hearts are still uh, in L.A. That's right. <laughs> well, wow. Right, right. <laughs> well, Your show is going great. We, we feel so informed. I, I, we want to check out this documentary. Oh, I know. It's, oh, a, it's amazing. It's amazing. Yeah, it sounds great. Yeah, so we welcome you to the show, and um, I was wondering uh, – can we call you Flintstone, and is that okay? <laughs> Absolutely. You can, call, you, can, you can call us whatever you want to call us. No. And please meet my colleague, and please meet my colleague, Gail, again. Yes, Gail. <laughs> pleasure meeting A you. A pleasure, finally. Yes, I know. I've heard so much about you. And thanks for being, thank, you. thank you for being with us here. Now, one thing we are going to ask you, I know that you're probably talking on a speaker. We are going to ask you just to get very close to the speaker because we want our audience to hear every single word that comes out. Okay. Awesome. Okay. Great. Okay. So I know Jay gets to start off first this time. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> I like to say let's start with um, – how did you get started in the music industry? Oh, man. Um, as far as myself, I, I've been in the music industry for over 15 years. I was actually a singer um, before I was a music producer. Um, I started off with Harvey Mason Jr., which, you know, he is uh, basically one of the owners and leaders of the of the underdog uh, entertainment uh, music company. So I started with them for a while. Uh, with Harvey as his first artist, and I thought that was a great, great situation, a great, uh, a great ride. And um, from there, he saw that I was um, honing my skills to to make music and produce and all that stuff. And he was the first one to give me my my first MPC to be able to to try to you know figure music out. You know, so um, he lent me his uh, his MPC, and I took it from there and. He saw some some uh, some telling me when it came to that, and I started doing some production with him, and and it went from there. And uh, another friend of mine actually <laughs> was actually my very very first producer was Christian Salyer of uh, Blazed Out Music, and he taught me a lot of of the stuff that I know uh, today, and I'm very thankful for them. And and um, if it wasn't for them, I probably wouldn't be doing uh, great right now, so our music, so I'm very blessed and very thankful for that. Yeah, and my, mine was kind of similar also. Um, I, you know, you always hear the stories about singers and, um, you know, especially for me, when, when I started singing when I was younger, I didn't, you know, I didn't imagine um, writing for a different recording artist, but it was just a love that I had that my parents nurtured, and uh, I think my first professional thing that I ever did in the music industry was backup for Heavy D, and then um, from there I had worked with uh, uh, you know, different producers, and then ultimately um, I ended up working with Soul Shock and Carlin um, of Soul Power Productions, and then from there, I, you know, I signed to Sylvia Rowan with the Records, and I started, Sylvia noticed that I was a, a, she thought I had a talent with writing, and she suggested that I write for other artists as well as working on my record. And then from there, I just, you know, I went to Europe a couple of times, wrote with artists, and then wrote for artists here. And I've just been doing it ever since. But it's definitely, um, 
it definitely is God-given, I'd say. Well, you know, um, what I'd like, you know, I know you guys both have said it, but I, I'm going to, I'm going to, it might sound repetitive, but I'm going to ask this question anyway. How long in years have you both been involved in the music industry, and did you ever think you would be this successful when you started? Wow. That's a great question. Um, we, I mean, we, we've in years. Are you talking about in total or? Yeah, in total. No, in total. Each one of you, like, how many years have you been in Lisa? How many years have you been in Flintstone? And then, well, did you ever think you would be this successful together as a team? You know, what's interesting is that the time that I was getting signed uh, with with Harvey, he would take me to all these different um, companies to, you know, try to get me signed. And there was an actual bidding war between MCA, Warner Brothers, uh, Motown, and um, they wanted to sign me. I was going to be like the first Hispanic R&B singer. And um, at the same time, Lisa was going through the same thing with Electra. So it was kind of interesting. We, we kind of came up together without even knowing each other. You know what I'm saying? So it it was a that's the interesting part I, of our relationship. I would probably say it was about eighteen years though in total. Yeah. Um about eighteen years because I've I've been we've both been in it since professionally since we were at least sixteen years old. Um and, and no to answer your question, I had no clue that um I would be involved in the in the music mm-hmm. business the way that God led me. It, it it was just something that um, that I love. Lisa, and, Lisa, I'm sorry. I'm yeah. sorry. Is there a, a horn in the back of you? No. <laughs> okay. We thought we heard like a, <laughs> a, 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 a. So you never. I'm sorry. So you never thought you would be this successful. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Just want to make sure everyone. No. Knows oh you. no, that's fine. Yeah. Yeah. No. I. I. It, I had no clue. You know, because it it just starts off as something that's just within you. You know, and I didn't know to what degree. My talent was, I mean, when I got signed to um, Electra, it happened very fast. I was still in high school at the time, and, and they wanted to sign me very quickly. I, I was actually discovered by Brandy's A&R, so we had the same um, A&R, Brandy Norwood. And um, I, I just, it, it was just something that I loved to do. I wasn't very competitive at it. I didn't think that it was something that, um, uh, I didn't know that it would progress into something uh like this, like how it is now, you know. It's it's what you hope for, but I I just I had no clue. I I just knew that I wanted to, to I knew that I had a gift, and I knew that I wanted to share that gift equally with other people, and 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 more so, um, not be like uh, what is it, hoard on it, and 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 be like I'm above anyone else. It was more so like I feel something so emotional, so spiritual, and I want people to equally feel that way. And the only way that I know how to express myself is to go out there and perform and then write and then ultimately produce. You know, what's interesting about my situation, I, I, I'm the same thing like my wife. You know, I I didn't know how successful it, w- it would be in, in, in this type of uh, situation or terms, um, but I would have dreams before I would actually meet the artists or meet the producers, which was kind of freaky to me, so... You know, it's kind of like God showing me, like, these are the steps that you're going to go through in order to get to this point that you're at right now. So, you know, it's pretty interesting. Hmm. Well, I have another question. I have another question, Gil, for them. It's, it's, I don't want this to be redundant, but well, we would like to know how long have you been involved in music, period? Oh, since I was 13, actually. 
since I was 13. I, I mean, I saw something when I was, like, five because I would be singing to, like, New Edition songs and high five songs <laughs> and stuff like that. <laughs> and I didn't know what I was doing until um, one of my best friends when I was, like, around 12 or 13 said, man, you could sing. You know, and I was rapping, actually, before that. I think everybody had that little yeah. bit. So, but, um, but, yeah, so, you know, when I was 13, that, that's when I found out, thanks to my, my friend Buffy, um, one of my best friends, he discovered me in that sense. So, you know, it, it yeah, it's been that long. Yeah, <laughs> well, I, I think about it. My mom said I used to sing when I was a baby. I used to, I was like, really? So I would, I, you know, I think if, if if my mother would would answer that question, she'd say, well, well, she always says a lady never tells her age, but you know, thirty some years, <laughs> um, you know, that I've been involved in music, and then of course I played, you know, musical instruments, violin, and I dabble with. Uh, piano, but um, I, I would say I would say you know a, a good nineteen years I've been involved in in, in music. Wow, wow. You, you know my ne- my next question um, to you as well is, you know, as you know, we just had Holly Gordon on from Girls Rising, speaking about young right. girls in education. Now I, I'm just going to ask you guys for the sake of time because we have a lot of questions for you. If you can okay. work with us, because we could talk to you guys all day. You have no idea. Yes, we can. <laughs> yes, Keep it short. So, okay. And so, you know, Lisa, my first question is, how can young women become involved in the music industry and grow as young ladies? And what do you think is missing in empowerment of young women in the industry? You know what? That's, a, like like Holly said, you know, prior prior to me being on with you guys, it's a very great question. Um, this is actually a question that I've, I've consistently ask myself throughout the years in order for me to sustain myself within this industry, which seems to take on um, a life of its its own every couple of five years. But I think the most important thing is you have to have a foundation, you know, and without being very preachy or, or without, um, you know, changing other people's views to believe what I believe, I am very much um, a person who believes in God and that foundation is so strong within me that it's been the leading force for me in the music industry. And so when I when I used to ask myself these questions like, well, Lisa, if you've ever been interviewed or if you would ever be interviewed and they asked you, you know, what made you write this record or what gave you that power, I always told myself, remind yourself that it's God because I've always prayed about everything before I've done it. I know that that's something that he's led me to. Because in any business, it gets difficult. And in any business, sometimes you want to give up. That's just life. You know, but for you to have something that makes you want to continue to go on and and to go through it when maybe you don't have a hit on the radio or, you know, whatever it is, you have to have that foundation. And so that's the one thing that I would tell young girls that want to get in the music industry, you know, to make sure that you have that foundation, make sure that you you really realize and look at who you are as a person and see your value and your asset and know that in any business, whether it's music, whether it's, you know, you work for a corporation or whatever it is, know what you bring to the table. Know who you are and don't allow people to change you. Know that however you are is how it's supposed to be at this this day and time. And so, every part of the business as well. Right. And the other thing is is, is the is the business side of it is, is, you know, I went to performing arts high school, and 
all of our teachers at, at Los Angeles County High School um, for the arts would always tell us, be more than a singer, be a musician. So learn your business. So like anything you do in life, you know, if you play an instrument, you learn that instrument. So it's important for you to know the business, know the mechanicals, you know, that you're going to get paid, know the performance right. Learn it and have an appreciation for it because at the end of the day, you're your best advocate. Wow. Well, you guys are such a talented team, and um, I'm going to ask, I'm going to get a little deeper in, uh, hope, I don't know if I can get to, get this out of him, Gail, but I'm going to ask a great question here, so hopefully he'll tell us what the uh, what the deal is. Guys, just so tough, would you tell the audience, what is the secret of you, you guys' success? <laughs> I'll let you the answer secret? that one. <laughs> I know it's not in there, Gail, somewhere. I'm that's the secret. <laughs> it really is. It really is. It really is. You know, I, I honestly like success. You know, what they say is the eyes and the beholder. Yeah, and that that is so true. And I'm I'm just um, I'm, hard hard. I, I would say that in hard work. Yeah, work. absolutely. It's, you know, a lot of people. It's funny because we get asked these questions. Like, you know, you run into people that you knew when you were younger, and they're like, "You're still singing." You know, they ask these questions, and it's like, wow. You know, a lot of people don't look at music and the music industry as being uh, as being a business, which is so ironic to me because everywhere you go, you hear music. If you get on an elevator, you know, a lot of times you'll hear music. Um, and then I always have this saying, whenever you go and you purchase a car, you would never say to the car dealer, you know, make sure that you give me this car without a stereo. So that just shows you how important and how vital music is in our world. Um, but yeah, but we we obviously you know we love music and that's what you know what drives us also. Um, but I would say also besides our faith, it's a lot of hours and it's a lot of hard work. You know, there's been times um, for Flintstone and I, and also with our um, one of our publishers, Christian Salyer, where we spent hours in the studio. You know, a lot of times for one song, you could work on that song for you know a week. Maybe two weeks, maybe longer. Maybe a day sometimes. Yeah, and then there's those other times where it may come to you within 15 minutes and you can record it. But, um, you know, I would always say, like, it's, it's, you you kind of – sometimes you can get away with being lazy, but I think anything that's worth having is worth putting in, you know, 250%. So it, it takes a lot um, – Sometimes, but it's worth it in the end. Absolutely, and the thing is, you just you don't do it for the money. You do it because you love it. You know what I mean? And I think that's the 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 whole misconception on when people are trying to start producing or you know making music or whatever. They do it for the fame. They do it for you know the obvious reason. So, um, but it's really you know do it for the love of it. You know don't don't do it because oh man I want to I want to get a check. You know I want to be a millionaire. This, this is, it'll never work that way. And if it does work with that way, then it ends up not being good. You know what I'm saying? So, it, you know, that's 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 the way that I feel. <laughs> well, you know, one of the things, uh, one of the other questions I had, um, and I know that we have the other person on the line, too. We're a little bit behind here. Okay. Um, so one of the other questions I had for you is, Flintstone and Lisa, you know, you are. I didn't know that you were husband and wife, so now I see why you can work so well. <laughs> <laughs> we're, 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 we feel like Ashley Simpson sometimes. They're like, man, 
Where are the husband and wife teams? Exactly. <laughs> I tell you, and I have to ask you, how can young men and women work together in the music mm-hmm. industry to have it grow and empower other creative professionals? Um, you know what? It's interesting because a lot of our uh, peers, well, not a lot of them, but a couple of our peers in the you know music industry that have you know been couple and wife. Um, actually, we know a lot of people that are actually married that some people would be surprised about, but um, they all just have that respect for each other. You know, I'm at the end of the day a fan of Flintstones music. Like, I, well, when, thank you, baby. <laughs> I, am, like, <laughs> I mean, there's times where you know we're doing music, and when he's done recording. I'm literally gay. I'm like, this is so amazing. And I, you know, aside from him just being a, a, a great person and me being married to him, I I really enjoy um, his music. I enjoy his work ethic, and I love the fact that you know I talked about getting lazy sometimes. Of course, we're human; we get lazy sometimes. And so I always have him as um, a motivator because he will work until five a.m. in the morning. You know, both of us will, but he's. He's definitely a go-getter, and um, and it just it ends up working out. Of course, we pray together. We believe in what we're doing, which is important because for those times when you might get several no's, you know, in the music industry, you have to have that cheerleader. You have to have that person that's like, you know what, it doesn't matter. No matter what, we just we have to press on. So um, it shocks us, actually, because we – I'll say it like this. My mom said – you guys really enjoy each other that much because you work together every day. And it's like, no, we really do. At the end of the day, we enjoy working together. And that's important. And I, I have respect for him and what, what he contributes to um, to our music and then what he contributes to what goes out in the public, in the world. Wow. <laughs> well, um, and we have a few other questions for you, but we, we know that we're time-sensitive. We hate to say that to you because – we know we we have we have a lot for you, so that's why I'm saying to you. And I know that Jay has has a great question. I'm actually excited about this question that Jay has coming up. Actually, okay. <laughs> yes, um, what are the lotto tickets? I'm just playing. Uh, the the um, <laughs> question I have <laughs> is, you know, how long does it take to really write a full composition from top to bottom? And, a, and get a great mix. You know, I know you can write a song in an hour or two or three days, but, you know, how long does that take to you know, write a full composition and also have a great mix that's ready to be sent out to the professionals? Well, for us, in, including our partner, uh, Christian, um, and our team member, uh, Trevor Lou Allen, um, it'll take us about a day, actually. Yeah. Mixed, I'll- written, sung, everything. And it all depends on the job, too, because if they need it really fast and, you know, we could do it fast, but it'll still have that same kind of quality, you know what I mean? Um, we, And also, you know, it's the um, the work ethic involved with um, understanding, understanding and knowing um, who plays their part, you know what I'm saying? And, um, and if you know your part very well, then you can get that song done very fast. And we have, we have a... Um, What's the word like a like a template? You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, we do. We have a template of, of of like how we do certain songs, but you know it depends because sometimes, like like Flintstone was saying, sometimes like for instance, we did a song for a, a movie a couple of years ago, and they when we got the call, they needed that song like within an hour, and it hadn't been written. And sometimes you you get that that call where it's like we want it to sound like this, 
but it can't sound anything like this because of copyright. And then we need it in an hour, and we need it mixed, and we need tons of vocals. So I think we work really well under pressure. That's one thing that I can say. I kind of look, I kind of look forward to those times because I like to see what I'm made of. Um, but as a songwriter, I mean, I've written songs where it, it, it could take me like 15 minutes. I've gone to Europe before, and I've done songs where I've written an entire song, recorded it in like an hour. But I try to sometimes, um, or majority of the time, I like to take my time um, because I really want, I'm putting something out there that I can never take back, and I really want it to be authentic. I want people to relate to it. So I try not to rush it, but, but uh, you know, it just it all depends on the mood, the track, if I'm feeling the track. Sometimes the track speaks to me. Um, it depends on if Flint has the sounds that he wants and so forth. And so it's subjective, I, I would say. Yeah, it is. You know, it, it all depends on what the time uh, slot we have, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. So, um, you know, we would like to take more time on certain things, you know what I'm saying, and maybe take two or three days, you know what I mean? But we've gotten to the point where we could actually finish a song in one day or less. So, yeah. That's great. That is so great. You know, we we're, we're going to go off topic for a second and um got to know about this cuz Jay, I stole this question from you. Sorry. Um That's okay. We, I'm <laughs> we, we we hear you have a special food regimen and Jay knows I love holistic health. I live by it. Would you sure tell, you know would you tell us about your food regimen and how it supports you professionally and personally? Because I'm into, like, yoga for the eyes, and well, you have no idea. Oh, wow. so I, I, I got, yeah, I'd love to hear about that. We need, we, need to come, we need to come out there with you. I need to, yep. do, I need to do yoga. I need to do that with you. Um, oh, no. <laughs> it's out there where you are as well. But, you know, for this, okay. please share this with us. Sure. Well, we are vegan. Um, you know, as of, I, I was, it, it's been a short amount of time, but, um, Actually, I, I've always, you know, been into organic food. I was raised on organic food. I've never had, like, a McDonald's um, Big Mac or anything like that, um, although I've had other things from McDonald's. But I've always kind of been, been raised on organic food because of my family and them being from the South. Um, but, yeah, we, we definitely we changed our eating, um, you know, not trying to throw anybody under the bus or things like that. But for me, um, I was the meat consumption that I was having was making me unhealthy, um, and I just I had no energy. And I, you know, I had began to go to the gym, and I was drinking my water, and you know, doing what all the professionals say that you should do. But I still didn't have any energy. Um, I began to juice, but I, but even with the juicing, I still felt unhealthy. So we made a drastic move, and for some it may seem drastic, but actually for me it just feels like. This is what I've been waiting for. This is this is what I needed. We completely took meat and any byproducts of meat out of our system. And we haven't felt, I don't know, we haven't felt this good since I don't even, I couldn't even tell you when. Um, wow. But, and, and so we've been, you know, lately we've been advocates for, not pushy, but just advocates um, for this lifestyle and good health. for good health, and there's a couple of documentaries, you know, that I've been, you know, mentioning um, Earthlings and a uh, and uh, beautiful Forks yeah Forks Over Knives and um, Beautiful Truth and so forth, where it just and Vegucated is one called Vegucated too. Yeah, and Vegucated yeah. as well. You know, where it just shows you, you know, how our our meat in this country is. Is being processed, you know, and I think it's important for us to know what we consume in our body. We should know how it's being prepared before we consume it. 
So, um, yeah, we're definitely an advocate for, for that lifestyle. Um, and drinking the water, of course, raw foods, um, nuts, and, and and then also we, we stay off of soy as well. Um, you know, I had a friend that actually got sick years ago from too much soy consumption because there's something in it that um, that acts like estrogen in the body. So we've just been educating ourselves and educating ourselves, and then with whatever information we get, we go and we, we tell everybody, basically. We're like a bullhorn for it. Yeah, and I would say with the genetically, the genetically modified foods and Monsanto and all of those things, it's just so much information out there for our people to know. Um, Jay, I think we've got a little bit about the vegan. I think we should actually skip to the next question. Um, okay, we, 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 had, we had our vegan vegetation. That's my new, it's like education. <laughs> okay. so I'm ready to move on to the next. <laughs> So, so I know you wanted to ask them about the musical health, Jay. Ah, uh, sure. Um, so we can go there. That's be that'd be great. We, me and Gail, have this thing um, about the musical health, and we would like to know about the musical health of our industry right now. What is the state of the world's musical health right now? Ooh, In the future, that's, that's a that's a controversial question. <laughs> <laughs> um. Oh boy! Yeah. Do you want to take this? You know, I, we listen to our peers. You know, they always say in the music industry you have to keep your ears to the street, and you, and, and then I've always heard like you're only as good as your last song. But you know, obviously, <laughs> overall, you know, <laughs> that, that that that's always been the 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 mantra for you know for as long as I've been in the music industry. But it's like you know we're in a digital in a digital world. You know, everything is digital. It's digital sales and, you know, and things like that. And, of course, we listen to that because um, at the end of the day, aside from us loving it and and wanting to um, help as many people that we can, we still are in the business of music. And so it's just pertinent for us to make sure that we stay up on trends. But I would say, you know, I don't know if you guys have heard this lately, um, but you know, the record companies have died down, of course, a lot. There aren't as many record companies as there used to be. Um, the independent artist that has their own deal, um, it's like the rise for that. Um, and then I've also heard just on a creative note that, um, you know, R&B is coming back. So, you know, everyone that I, that I speak to that's in the business, they're like, yeah, you know, we're, we're going for this R&B record. We really want to bring R&B back. And the music industry, it, it evolves. But then it also, current trends sometimes aren't necessarily current because we draw from other um, genres of music, you know. So, uh, of course, I think it's going to stay, you know, digital for a while because we're in a technological world, and that's just where we're moving to. Um, You know, I have to to ask you a question there. Jay, I had to interrupt on this one, and I know we don't have time. (laughs) I know okay. we don't, but I have to go there with this, and I'm sure you're going to come in on this, PJ. I have okay. to say that I think we're actually going back to, uh, to taking away from digital. I think we're going to go back to more physical, believe it or not, because people are getting tired of digital. People want to hear that real good sound. We're, I, 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 I think we're actually going back that way. So I just want to put that little bit in. I'm sorry, Lisa. Go ahead. You know, you know what's awesome. Oh no, Gail, that's fine. That's what we love because I'm, I'm, you know, like I said, I'm a music. I was initially a musician, also. 
you know, I, I learned theory. I went to school for this. I got excited to work college music. So it, it's, for me, it's like I love music. I love musical instrumentation. I love that. So, I, and I think for our peers saying that R&B is coming back, that, that, that entails what you're saying because it's, it's going back to music production and, and, and live shows. Actually, I didn't mention to uh, Jay, but Clemson and I are working on an album, and it's very much going to be not necessarily digital. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's digital in the sense of making music, but it's more of a um, – it's going to be a nostalgic thing, you know what I'm saying? We're pulling different types of uh, sounds from the 80s and – you know, 90s and sometimes the 70s and stuff like that, but bringing it with a new twist. And I think what I'm loving about technology these days is that you can use it in a way where, um, you know, you're, you're still getting that nostalgic uh, feel. You know what I mean? Because that's what I, mean, I feel like that's what we're missing. And, uh, and what's cool is that technology, you know, kind of gives that these days, which is kind of nice, you know. It is, but there there were times where there were so many different vocorders and so many oh, yeah. things on music. I think it took away from from you knowing how to how to speak and yeah. that that theory of music. Yeah, yeah, it's very so. much so. Yeah, I I would have to agree. You know, one of the last <laughs> questions. Uh, I, no, I really I agree with her. Um, one of the last questions I have and Jay has for you. What do you tell young people who aspire to be like you? Keep God first. Um, love what you do. And don't stray from that, I would say. You know, and educate yourself as much as possible when it comes to learning the equipment and learning the, the tricks of the trade and actually learning the business part of it. You know what I mean? Because it's not just, you know, the music that you do is also the business side. You've got to learn your publishing, you know, understand what writers are and, you know, understanding, you know, mechanicals, all of that stuff, you know, goes into um, goes into play with, you know, being successful, you know what I mean, and, and coming up and being the best that you can be, you know what I mean? So definitely ask a lot of questions and never be scared. Right. Oh, thank you. And I and then I would also add that and just say, don't measure your success by others. Oh because wow! What 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 God may be giving you is what He's giving you, and that's successful in yourself. Be okay with what you have, and don't put a time limit on it. Because what may take you a day could take you two years. So don't rush yourself. Let it happen, and let it happen naturally. And don't give up on yourself. Lisa, we need, Jay and I might needed to hear that for a project that we're working on, and we're not the kids. Oh. <laughs> you know, again, Jay, I won't even take credit. I'll say thank you, guys. <laughs> and Jay, you have one final. You have one final question for them, Jay. Yeah, but this is this is you, you and my question, pretty much. Finally, are there any organizations that are helping the world world advancement out there that you guys support and would really like to work with? Yes, actually, um, I've been volunteering, and Flintstone's been volunteering. Flintstone's been volunteering for, I'd say, maybe like eight years, and I've been volunteering for about ten years for the National Organization for Renal Disease. It was started by uh, Mamie Jackson, uh, Mamie V. Jackson. She um, is the founder for the organization for for renal disease, which is kidney disease. Um, And a lot of people don't really know that about us, that we are advocates, you know, obviously for health, but also for 
this disease that, you know, strikes so many different people, you know, um, Pacific Islanders, African Americans, um, you know, every race of people suffer from this disease. And so it's her purpose, Mamie, to have health screenings um, throughout Southern California, um, and they're free health screenings. And she gives, you know, like she tests your blood pressure and things like that so that people can be aware and educate themselves of um, our health system in America and just and, and just eat better and think better so that they won't suffer from this disease. And then um, we also are a part of um, – I always get confused when I say it, so I usually let our pastor Buff say it. It's called Fat Scent, and I'll let, I'll let Flint – Yes, yeah, basically it's social media for Christians, and uh, it's basically short for uh, Fat Syndicate, and it's uh, www.fatsyn.com. And it's, you know, it's a platform where everybody could go there and open up conversation about spirituality and and um, everything, actually. Yeah. So. And then and any Jackson's organization, you can just, you know, look it up in your search engines. It's just National Organization for Renal Disease. She's also on volunteermatch.com. Um, oh, great. And, yeah, and and then she also, um, she has a health screening, I believe, that's coming up um, very soon. So please look her up and please go out there and volunteer because she could use the help. She She actually also suffers from renal disease, and there's a documentary about her life and everything that she's been doing with this organization. It's really great. And also go to our website. We'd like to send you there, so Flint, would you share that with them? Yes, it is www.heatroxent.com. So it's www.heatroxent.com. Very good. Thank you. <laughs> thank you so much, guys. And we are thank you so much for having us and having you on. And we mm-hmm. look forward. Will you guys come back with us again later in the year? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. whenever you need us, Gail. I'm looking forward to the yoga. Yeah. <laughs> well, I will, Jay and I will definitely be in contact. So we thank you for being on. <laughs> thank you so much. Thank you for having thank us. You. God bless you both and have a wonderful day. Thank you, too. Jay, wasn't it amazing having them on? I mean, and now I, we got to bring on Evan Carpenter, who just did Gracie Learn to Dance. He's a filmmaker. I'm so excited about this guy. I, I'm Holly Gordon, you know, Lisa Simmons and Flintstone, and now Evan Carpenter. And we've had him waiting for 20 minutes. So, Evan, thank you. And without further delay, Mr. Evan Carpenter. Evan, how are you? Uh, yeah, I'm doing great. How are you? Thank you. We're sorry to keep you so long. Uh, we had <laughs> no problem. I enjoyed listening. And we just can't wait to get involved in with you because, oh, my goodness, I told Jay about you, and we're so excited. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, I'm so excited, too. Really yeah, excited about the movie <laughs> and, and the response it's gotten and, uh, you know, to have people like you reach out and say, hey, we want to, you know, get involved. Well, we thought it would be great to have you on, Evan, today with Holly Gordon at the beginning of the show, you know, and then uh-huh. the amazing people we had in the middle, and then, you know, the humans just, I can't even open my words. We, we're very blessed to have all of you on today. So without further ado, <laughs> you know, you have a schedule, you know, so, you know, welcome, you know, Evan. Jay and I are so glad you're here, and what an amazing end on a note with your beautiful video. So I know... Yeah, um, yeah. 
And so, Jay, I know you want yeah. to take it away from here. Yeah, Evan, um, do you mind if we get right into the questioning? With you? Let's get right into it. I'm okay. ready. <laughs> now, Evan, Evan, we know you are a world traveler that depicts moments that make the human spirit soar. My question is, what, what had you become involved in film and filmmaking, and what made you become such an amazing storyteller? <laughs> um, well, uh, how did I get involved in filmmaking? You know, honestly, I've probably been doing it since I was a little kid. I didn't grow up with a video camera, but I had friends that did, and we'd make movies. We, we'd make Star Wars movies with little, uh, like, Star Wars action figures and stuff like that. And uh, at some point, uh, maybe uh, early in college, I realized that what I really wanted to do was nonfiction. So I got my first job as an editor doing, uh, you know, working on some nonfiction uh, video projects. And uh, then I had some not great jobs doing similar things. And eventually I just decided I wanted to go freelance, go out on my own. I started my YouTube channel. And uh, that's my focus now is, is getting stories out to people directly through YouTube, which really is a great channel uh, to, you know, get information out to as many people as possible, as quickly as possible. And so uh, that's what I do. Well, you know, I know it's, you know, it sounds easy, folks, to our audience, but it's not that easy. I've learned that. Um, (laughs) Well, it's hard to get a lot of people to watch. (laughs) <laughs> That's always the challenge. Well, well our support is well, we're going to really be supporting you with that because you do amazing work. <laughs> you know, and mm-hmm. you, cre- you created a beautiful, beautiful video about Gracie and the leprosy colonies in India. This is something we read in biblical texts but did not know mm-hmm. it still exists so much. How were you led to India to tell the story of Gracie and her world? Um, yeah, I originally went to India in 2005. I was doing my thesis. I studied anthropology in college, and I was doing uh, my thesis about self-help groups for women, which is a very common thing down there, and that involves micro-lending and, you know, that sort of uh, project. And then I've kind of just developed an expertise for it and an interest, and so I've I've been back uh, quite a few times. And as a result of that, people sometimes call me when they have India-related projects. So Rising Star, who, uh, which is uh, one of the nonprofit organizations that figures prominently in the film, uh, they contacted me because they were interested in having me do a promotional video, which is not Gracie Learns to Dance. I got there. I agreed to, to help them out and go do this promotional video for them. And I got there, and the first thing I did uh, with them was... I met Sean Perry, who I think is calling in at some point. <laughs> uh, he's the dance teacher and the, the organizer of uh, Life Dance, the dance troupe. And uh, I saw the kids perform. That was the first thing. And uh, they were incredible. Uh, you know, They were actually good, and, uh, and they didn't have a lot of training. Uh, they w- these kids all go to a school for children from leprosy colonies. And for the most part, people from leprosy colonies, whether they have the disease or not, whether there's any evidence that they ever had it, you know, m- like missing fingers or something like that, um, they don't have opportunities in life because there's a social stigma against the disease. So if you came from a leprosy colony, uh, the chances that you're going to dance on stage for 5,000 people are, you know, well, they they were zero. And these kids are, are sort of... Uh, beating the odds. 
Wow, wow. Um, Evans, I want to tell you that when I talked to Gail this morning and I watched the, the, film, the film, the short film you did, I was so overwhelmed. I mean, just to, you know, no, just to talk to you today, it's wonderful, wonderful to have you on our show because it brought a tear to my eye. And I was telling Gail, it, you know, it really did. It brought a tear to my eye just to know somebody like you are, that's trying to help the world. So I want to know how and where did you get such a big heart? How did you get this big heart? <laughs> I mean, people in India with leprosy. Where did that come from? Yeah. Uh, actually, I think you're giving me too much credit. Uh, oh, no. <laughs> uh, let's take Gracie, for example. Uh, you know, she leads the dance troupe. She's the star of the movie. And, uh, you know, she herself has so few opportunities, and yet, you know, in the opening scene of the movie, you see that she's uh, helping with the nurses that are washing other people's feet in the colony that are, you know, dressing their wounds. And and uh, she's just decided to be a leader uh, to the people at her school. Someone else, obviously, that stands out in the movie is Sean Perry, and uh, he was had a successful career on Broadway, and he, I don't actually know how it's how it began. <laughs> You'd have to ask him, but uh, he decided he wanted to spend, you know, several months out of the year in India and and several months in in you know different locations where he also teaches uh, dance classes to different groups of underprivileged youth. So. Uh, you know, I appreciate the compliment, but uh, I feel like I'm kind of the last person on the scene. I show up, I tell the story, and uh, and and I and I try and highlight people that are really doing uh, good work. The people wow. with the big hearts. <laughs> you know, this might sound a little redundant, um, Evan, but I just wanted to ask this again um, in a different way. For Gracie's video, what made you choose India? Uh, yeah, man, I've thought about that question a lot, and I really don't know. And honestly, I'm already planning other projects in India, uh, that some that are similar and that totally aren't. And I, I really don't know, other than um, uh, I kind of went there to do my thesis in college uh, just because I had to go somewhere. And it was, you know, one of the hardest. Uh, I, I was staying in a... In a village pretty far from uh from the, the nearest city you know and it was a challenging experience and i feel like that experience kind of uh made me who i am in some degree and so i don't want to overstate the point like i don't feel like i'm indian or anything but i do feel it's kind of like a second home and so i i i love to go back there and you know i hope to do it again this year <laughs> um uh, yeah, it's just it, it's a great place. It's a really cool country. There are there there you know multiple cultures there, so many different languages, good food, amazing people, and every yeah, every time I go, I meet someone amazing. So wow. Yeah, I was also wondering if there's 700 villages that have this leprosy problem. What are some of the essentials that you teach the students? Sorry, what are some of the what? Uh, essential life essentials that you teach the students. Life essential skills that you teach the students. Yeah. Um, well, uh, so just to clarify, the, there are an estimated 700 leprosy colonies, and the people that live in those uh, didn't necessarily start there. They were somewhere, and they got kicked out into a leprosy colony because it's a it's not a very contagious or dangerous disease, and it is curable, but there's a stigma against it. 
you know, this is this disease is a curse from God, and so those people get kicked out to the leprosy colonies, and um, and then sometimes they remain there for generations. Um, uh, I think actually we should talk to Sean about that because for the most part they go to the school and they get a normal education, a very good one, um, a very competitive one, and it's going to lead to them getting uh, great jobs. But uh, what Sean does. Uh, through through his dance programs, he's really focusing on life skills, and and we don't get to talk about that that much in the movie. But he's really adamant that we're not just teaching dance; we're we're showing these kids how if you want to touch your toes or do the splits, you can't yet. But if you set a goal to do that, you're going to get better little by little. And those are the kinds of things that often uh, people like underprivileged youth don't know in the first place. So is is that okay? Is he on the line? Is, do you have well, someone yeah, calling in? I, yes, I do, and I thought it was a. I was just getting to say, I thought this is a gentleman with a question for you, actually. Um, <laughs> well, it might be, but I, I bet it's Sean. <laughs> is this is this is this Sean? Hello. Can you yes, hear me? Yes, it is. Hey, <laughs> yeah, this is Sean Perry. Hi. <laughs> Sean, we're so sorry. We were getting ready to bring you in the queue to say. Oh, Evan, we have a question for you. <laughs> oh, I've got lots of questions for Evan. <laughs> <laughs> well, Sean, you know, Sean Perry, we really feel, oh, my goodness, all I can say is Evan Carpenter, thank you. We really feel so privileged to have you, Sean, here. We saw you in the video. Jay, this is a gentleman that was teaching the actual life skills to the people in the video. This is amazing. Uh, Sean, thank you for being on. Yeah, absolutely. My pleasure. You know, so, you know, I'm going to go, um, uh, you know, we had some questions set up here, so we, you know, you kind of uh, caught us off guard here. You know, so, <laughs> I messed question. it up. I'm sorry. <laughs> so, Sean, you know, I'm going to actually re-ask, um, if that's okay with Jay, Jay's question, which is, you know, what are some of the essential life skills that you teach the students and that you taught them in, in, in the leprosy colony. Well, yeah, and Evan covered it covered it well, but it's uh, actually really, really fascinating that these kids, there's a huge gap between building a school and taking kids from leprosy colonies or slums, putting them in a school and expecting them to succeed in that environment. So all basics like discipline and focus and respect and and concentration and goal setting, perseverance. I mean, just the stuff that we take for granted and say, if you want to get good at something, that's what you have to have. They they don't know that. Those are abstract concepts to them. So that's what we focus on, and we teach it through the arts. And, and so they're experiencing it while they're learning it and hearing about it. And uh, and so and it's exciting. It it really works. And, and as in Gracie's case, it's it's really beautiful. Wow. You know, um, wow, you, you caught us off guard here. You really got us, Evan. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> well, by, you by you all means, focus, me focus on Evan. And, and we'll just, yeah, we'll yeah, just yeah. bring Sean in because he has well, a lot of insight well, that can help us out with any well, of these actually, questions. Jay, Jay has some questions to Sean, but we were directing them to Evan, so this is great. Um, Jay, <laughs> I moved, I, I, sorry we didn't coordinate that better. That's my fault. <laughs> I'll, move on, I'll move on to this question, which I was going to ask Evan. Because Sean is here, I guess I can ask both of you guys. Um, Mr. Sean Perry, how did you guys meet and um, and develop life dancing? 
Um, well, I, I met Evan after long after we developed the the life dance, and, and with Promethean Spark International is the nonprofit that uh, that runs the life dance troupe, and we're, we work closely with Rising Star Outreach. But I met I met Evan in India uh, actually after we'd been running the programs for about five years. So he he got to step in and. Uh, and he he went on that trip, like you said. He went on that uh, long ten hour bus ride with us, and uh, and took the kids on their second big tour. Uh, the, I I believe Evan, you were on the one to Bangalore, right? Uh huh. Yeah. Right. Yeah, we went to Bangalore and performed for about five thousand people, and that's that's where I met him. Actually, was in Bangalore, and uh, while he was. Videoing and uh, and covering the the story, so so and then we then we just connected for the next couple of weeks there, and uh, and we we've, we've remained friends since. So so we we actually met in India. Wow. This is kind of goes back to what I said earlier about how I'm kind of coming in as the last person. You know, there are people that have been doing this work for years. Sean's been working at the school with these kids for several years, building this program up to what it is, and you know I I there for a couple of weeks <laughs> and uh and i want to do as much as i can to shine a light on the good work that they're doing but uh you know i'm really uh doing very little but i also wanted to say uh actually sean and i met probably i don't know probably the same day as the final dance scene that you see in the movie so we didn't really know each other and it was very haphazard it was kind of like okay they're going to perform i'm going to shoot something and uh and then we kind of that's that's when I knew we had a story, and so then we had to go shoot the rest of the story. But it, it all started with that performance the kids did. You guys are wonderful. I mean, it, that brought a tear to my eye, and I've told Sean, I told Evan how what you were doing there, and I told Gail that it was just so overwhelming. I couldn't sleep, and I was I'm excited you guys are here and now. You even brought Sean on the show. My God, I'm just, <laughs> I don't know what to say. <laughs> yeah, thank you, Evan, for inviting me. <laughs> yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> you know, and Sean, one of the things I wanted to know, and I, I'm just so overwhelmed here. This is actually a first for me to be speechless. You know, you know, um, how long would it be before we see everyone in every country live dancing at the same time as one big party? Oh, how amazing would that be? Yeah, we've we've got uh, right now we have ongoing programs in uh, their year-round programs in India. Um, in Kenya, in Nairobi, Kenya, and in uh, Central America, got um, in in prisons and slums in in Africa, and then in drug rehab centers in Central America. So to get all of that coordinated and get them all uh, all doing something together would be uh, quite quite a feat, I tell you. <laughs> well, you know, but I, but I I would want Evan to be uh, to be chronicling it. I would I would want him to be doing the documentary when we do that. That's for sure. You know, and that's my next question to you, Evan. You know, one of my last questions to you, Evan. You know, you are a, you know, the, it, even though you say you come in at the end, Evan, it takes someone to tell the story after all the pieces have been brought together, okay? Mm-hmm. As a, I want to know where that gift of yours comes from. Did you notice as a child, you know, it's one thing to be a filmmaker. Someone can just be a filmmaker filming, but you are clearly a storyteller. Is, was there someone in your family that, you know, told you stories that you get this gift from? Or, you know, what illuminates for you, to, what makes it possible for you to see the story in something and then tell it on film? Hmm. 
Uh, well, uh, I appreciate the compliment. Uh, that's a tough question, actually. I think um, I think my family has frequently been surprised by this. Actually, uh, I was not terribly shy, but I wasn't terribly outgoing growing up, and I've told my fair share of stories that fall pretty flat at the end. So uh, I'm I'm really not sure, but I do remember noticing at some point. Um, kind of early on when I started filmmaking that I could uh, help people connect to people in the story. And, and even myself, mm-hmm. you know, I, I do a lot of uh, videos that I host, and uh, I might be wrong. I mean, it's, it's hard to say this because I might be totally wrong, but I think I have a pretty easy time connecting with people that watch the show. Um, and and I, I try to keep it really short and as interesting as possible. Um, I, I think that's part of it as well, as, as far as the storytelling is. I, I have a YouTube mindset, and and so you know there are a lot of movies out there, great ones that are 90 minutes or two hours, and uh, finding an audience for those can be challenging. And actually, the the uh, 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 guest that you had on uh, earlier, who did the Girl Rising, is that the name? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I. Uh, have seen people working so hard at her Facebook events uh, mm-hmm. and stuff to get people uh, to come watch the film. And they've been very successful, I should add. Uh, but I just am, I'm not capable of doing that. <laughs> and so uh, well, we're what I do you. is I just, we're gonna, we're gonna I, I try and be, <laughs> I appreciate that. But I try and be very light on my feet and just cut away everything that doesn't matter and make it as interesting as possible for people that are taking a little break from work that, you know, they can, they can actually, instead of watching, you know, uh, pictures of people planking or or gallon smashing or whatever, that <laughs> they can have a, you know, or, or the Harlem Shake. Hopefully, they can have a, you know, a rewarding uh, experience and learn something that they didn't know before. That's the goal, anyway. I hope I'm doing it. I know that um, Jay had a very special last question for both of you. Okay. Are you there, Jay? Yes, I am. <clears throat> how long have you? How long have you? How long have you been a, um, a filmmaker? I mean, you know, how long have you been a filmmaker? And how long have you been making films? Um, I, I gotta. I mean, I started learning this. Uh, like I said, I kind of did it when I was a kid, uh, and then uh i kind of got more i started having jobs doing this kind of thing when i was about 19 and so i've been somehow working on documentaries for about 10 years but i'm sort of an independent minded person and so i would say that probably this started actually with uh in india uh i i met a uh as you say, met a woman. That doesn't quite indicate what I'm trying to say. <laughs> uh, I, I met a person with a very interesting story to tell, and uh, and and I I decided that that I had to do that. And so it wasn't on that trip. I went home. I had to save a little money, and I went back and wanted to tell her story. And and the, you know the film showed at a few small film festivals or something like that, and wasn't terribly successful. And I, I hope more people see it someday. Uh, but I'd say that was probably the beginning. I think I was 23 or 24, and and I realized 
I came home and and I I was still in college. I realized I couldn't do that and be a filmmaker at the same time. There there wasn't enough time, and so I decided to do what it was that I loved, and and I I dropped out of school with uh, you know, about a year left or maybe a semester left. And I think that was when I really went for it. Is as I decided, okay, I'm a filmmaker from here on out. So it's been it's been six really hard years. It's a challenging. Evan, wa- <clears throat> Evan watching this film, uh, like I said, brought tears to my eyes, and I think that I was so overwhelmed um, with what you guys are doing. It just made me want to um, pretty much help and see how I can help and challenge myself. Um, my question is um, uh, to bring out this fight for leprosy in this film. In showing that there is hope, how did you how did you do that? Um, I think I think it was actually relatively easy, because I saw the hope in what other people were doing. I mean, I couldn't have done that if I hadn't stumbled onto the story. I just I saw it and went, oh, this is it. This is the story. Um, and I mean, there's something to recognizing that, but uh, I think. Uh, Gracie and Sean and and uh, the people that Sean works with and the people at Rising Star at the school, I think those people are uh, the ones that are really representing the hope. That's oh, that's, that's easy, what, was it, <laughs> in a way. What, that's what, easy what, for what, me. What they do cha- is hard. Was it challenging? I mean, was it challenging to be able to take Sean and Gracie's story and bring it into a film? It's hard to, you know, to bring that across. And what you did was amazing. You, you brought Sean out and you brought Gracie out and it became real people that care about. And so some yeah. films don't do that. It is, it is hard. It actually is, especially in eight minutes. I mean, I've been working on the film uh, sometimes full-time, sometimes in the evenings when I'm doing something else uh, for eight months. I mean, we shot that back in June. And it is challenging. It's challenging to get all the pieces in place. Uh, to, you know, you do, you do little test screenings with your friends and, and you realize that something doesn't make sense because you're throwing the information out so fast because you got to get it all in in a few minutes, uh, mm. and then they have, have to have enough time to care about the characters. Yeah, that stuff's hard. Uh, and I think the main thing is just got to take the time. It's too bad. I wish it didn't take me that long. You know, I have one last question for Sean, and uh, I wanted to know, Sean, how did you guys meet Gracie, and how did you? What made you choose her? How did you go about choosing her and her village? That's a perfect question, <laughs> because because uh, it happened on a very on, on a historic day, and uh, um, we had been working with the life dance troupe. She she was actually a, had been brought to the school um, and and chosen and brought to the school. Uh, long before, and had been try, you know working at the school, but then uh, then when when I came in and started working with these kids and developed the life dance troupe, we didn't have a presidency at all, and she she was a, a natural at the dancing, as it says in the film, you know she she always dances. It's just kind of part of who she is. So she was a natural at that, and she was a natural leader. Very quiet though, and she would uh, you know just just show set an example to all the other students um j- just naturally 
And uh, at first, I hadn't even thought about her as the president of the Life Dance. We we ran Life Dance Troupe for about three years, mm, two about two years, two and a half years, without any presidency. And then uh, on on the historic World Leprosy Day in 2011, we was the first time that we took the Life Dance Troupe, a troupe of of trained dancers youth from leprosy colonies for the first time in history to a luxury hotel to perform in front of a VIP audience. And we took them to the Marriott Hotel in Chennai, India, and they performed. And I don't know if you know David Archuleta, who was from uh, Mm -hmm. American Idol. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. He he came and, and performed live with us. Um, Stacy Tukey, who is a judge and choreographer for So You Think You Can Dance, I uh, brought her in. I choreographed a dance with her. So myself, representing Broadway, then David Archuleta and Stacy Tukey were kind of the headline names. And then we brought the Life Dance troupe in to perform. Well, we I, I directed that show and arranged it in such a way that by the end of the show, we weren't the stars anymore. The stars of the show were the Life Dance troupe. And uh-huh. all of the paparazzi, the VIP, everyone was asking questions. Well, who is this troop? What is it? Who are these kids? Where are they from? And how did it end? And during that time, Gracie had stepped up and become, become such a strong leader that right after that incredibly successful debut into the, into the world, uh, I, I pulled them to the side there in the hotel, and I announced, to them very spontaneously, I said, I just wanted you all to know that the first ever president of a life troupe is Gracie. And she just started crying and she came up and, and we announced it to everyone. And it was just, I'm going to cry right now. Um, it was just a beautiful mm-hmm. experience. And she, uh, and she took the bull by the horns and stepped into that slot and, uh, mm-hmm. and has been a great example ever since she's actually, uh, mo- moved on and uh, and is and is working towards becoming a nurse now, and so she doesn't dance with the life dance troupe anymore because she's moved into a higher level of of her education and and out of the school where the life dance troupe is with Rising Star. So, well, thank you so much. And you know, I have this is the absolute last question. Um, Evan and Sean Perry, I'd like to know what you'd like to see for the future personally. For youth, families, and moving forward, and um, and yet, and the second part of that question is: Did you both know that leprosy still existed in this world to the degree that it did before you took on this project? All right, uh, I'll start, and then I'll let you have okay. the last word. Uh, I didn't. I, I I started to learn, and just in my discussions with Rising Star before traveling to India, but prior to that, I had no idea. And I think that's the case with most people, uh, at least uh, here in the United States. Um, and and uh, as to the second part of your or the the other question about um, where would we like to go next, uh, I would and I think I'm in the right forum to say something like this is I just want to be able to keep making films like this, and it's not profitable. Uh, you can put ads on it on YouTube, and I do, but I, you know you only make a few bucks. Um, and so I'm always looking for people to say, okay, we need more films like this on YouTube and that want to come help support that process. 
and not not as a not as a for profit thing for me at all, but but so that we can tell more of these stories. Well, thank you so, that's so much. <laughs> Great, uh, Sean. Yeah, well, I'm uh, I, I'm actually first and foremost, I want to thank Evan for having the heart to be able to do that because it's not because he's getting paid for it. He, he's not he's not getting a cent out of this uh, this this film, and the the one that he went to India to to do was it was done and and passed on, and then he took this on just as as a, a work of uh, of passion and and charity. He said, "Oh, this is a story that has to be told." And like you said, he's been working on it for eight months just because he loves it. So I I just want to publicly tell Evan how much I appreciate that for what what an amazing heart. And talent, and <laughs> yeah, um, and as far as, far as uh, I mean, leprosy. No, I did not know that before I went there. I've been I've I've been about seven times now to India and working with uh, with Rising Star and the leprosy colonies for almost seven years now. And but before that, I di- I did not know hardly anything about it except what I read in the Bible. So. Yeah. Um, the uh, and then as far as is um, growth, we're we're poised and ready with Promethean Spark International to uh, to really take on the world. We're we're excited. At some point, we we foresee having um, hundreds of uh, Promethean Spark centers around the world teaching life skills to the extremely impoverished youth through the arts and opening it up to use other forms of yoga and sports and different things to teach these life skills through actual visceral experiential uh methodologies and it's and it's very exciting because the the turnaround rate for these these youth is miraculous when we when we do it the proper way and so i I'm, I'm excited to see the next ten twenty years of of growth with Promethean Spark all around the world. Well, I, all I can tell you is thank you so much, gentlemen, for being on. Um, this is the longest show that we've had since we've been in existence, and it has been the most am- – no, I, I mean that uh, from the heart. It's the most amazing show that we've had, the most amazing show. Great. And Evan and Sean, uh, to Holly, to Lisa, and to Flintstone, thank you so much for being a part of our show with us today. Yeah, thank you so Absolutely. much. Absolutely. Uh, can we give you a link before we sign off? I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. We give you a link before we sign off for the we would video. Like you to, we would like you to give everyone all of your links, Evan. Okay. Well, well, I, I just have one, so that'll be easy. We'll start there. Uh, it's YouTube.com/EvanMeetsWorld. That's my YouTube channel, and if, if anybody wants to go see Gracie Learns to Dance, that's the place to find it. You can find all my other stuff there too. YouTube.com/EvanMeetsWorld. And may I add one more uh, link for you, Evan? Sure. Okay, it's www.facebook.com forward slash Evan Meets World. Again, that's www.facebook.com forward slash Evan Meets World. Sean Perry, Evan Carpenter, thank you for being a part of what thank you do right now. Thanks so much. Great. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Bye now. Bye-bye.